ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. everyone and welcome to episode three of the Soulful MBA podcast. I'm joined with my co-host Sandy Conry. Hey Sandy. Hello everybody. Hello. And today we are going to talk all about I think maybe the most important concept in business which is commitment. So when we talk about commitment we're talking about this idea of creating clear expectations for long-term success and knowing that any business endeavor including an online business endeavor requires a long view. So Sandy, what do you think about commitment? What is your kind of like initial reaction to this topic? The initial reaction is, first of all, that I don't think we talk about this enough. And just thinking of the clients that we work with every day, I see a lot of people committing to the idea, to the sort of, like they're in this sort of love affair, early stages of creating a business. And they just like, they're committed. Yes, they're committed. But at the first sign of difficulty, their commitment falls apart. And that's really what I want to take apart today. Yeah, I would say that's exactly my perception as well. And just not just clients in our business. Um, And certainly there are people who are exceptions to this too, but also you and I both have mentored and, and for lack of a better word, coached a number of other entrepreneurs in the software sector and sort of like all across the business world. And I see this time and time again in kind of every industry that I've ever touched. I even saw this in the nonprofit world when I was in that space too. So I I think it's really important to just kind of like dive in head on and kind of confront something that's a little bit scary for most of us. Yeah. And I think the first topic we should discuss is, is setting up those expectations for long-term success. This is not, there's no business. I don't care if you're online or, or not, there's no business that is a quick, quick success. Yeah. No guarantee, right? There's always these exceptions. There are these like magical unicorn exceptions to the, to this, like there's things that go viral. But I think what, when we talk about this, no quick win concept, we're saying that you can't plan for it and execute it. I don't think that's something that you can, you can intentionally manifest. At least that's my perception after, you know, three years in kind of this online entrepreneurship world. I I think you can have every intention of becoming an overnight success, but that's really not up to you regardless of but how hard you work. If you read your Facebook feed, you'll think that it's very possible. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, and I, I think that this idea of embracing the long view is, is really actually a beautiful realization. So I just wanted to riff on something for a second, Sandy, that we hadn't talked about ahead of time. But when I was doing work in climate, in the climate change world, I got really intrigued by a concept called scenario planning and a lot of really big businesses in the corporate world and, and not just businesses, but the military and other huge organizations use this long-term planning tool called scenario planning. And it's all about the long view. It's all about like, how do we build, take action now, whether it's building our business in a certain way or, you know, like military preparedness, if you're the, if you're the U S military, how do you decide what to do now 
to affect long-term impact. And I was really interested in my prior life and how this affected climate change and what the world's going to look like in 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 years. But I'm increasingly interested in the long view in my own business now. Something that I thought was not relevant is increasingly relevant because a lot of, for example, a lot of things that we started doing a year ago in, in our business in Namastream and in the Soulful MBA have started to pay off. Like it took a year, for example, of blogging, like consistent blogging every single week in order to start to see an impact in our business from that process. And we had to like kind of just put our heads down and commit to the process, say like, we're taking this on, we're going to spend the next year really committing to, to building a meaningful blog where we're investing our time and our heart in writing content. And, you know, the first few months we didn't see a lot of traction from our blog, right? Like we didn't have a lot of readers. We didn't have um, a lot of impact. It didn't affect our bottom line, but now a year in, it's amazing how much our blog is starting to affect our bottom line as a business. And it took like investing and committing to that process for a long time without seeing results. And that, that it was, there was weeks where it was like, we don't have a blog post. We don't have a blog post. What are we going to write about? What are we yeah, going to blog exactly. post? And, and it would be so easy just to slide and go, ah, no one's going to notice if we don't write a blog post this week. Right. But because we had as a team and as a group, as an, a company, as a company committed to making this a reality, it, 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 we'd stay up late and we'd write a darn blog post, you know, whatever it took, because we had made a very firm deep decision that this was going to be something we were going to be consistent about. And, and you and I knew how important that was on having that consistent, you know, whether it's social media or a blog post or whatever, but that consistency is a really, really important, it's important word in business, I think. Yeah. It's consistency and commitment put together, I think, because Mm -hmm. like when you commit to something, when you say I will, and then you, you know, fill in the blank, I will do X for Y length of time. Like you're sort of studying the intention. And if you don't keep that commitment, if you don't keep your word to yourself or your team or your company or whatever, like that doesn't just affect, I think it doesn't just affect that immediate goal that you're talking about. Like, I think it affects sort of like how you, how you show up in the world. At least that's my own perception. Like when you actually commit to something, things change, like the universe sort of like conspires to help you, right? Like there's, there's a quote that I'm not thinking of right now about that. And I, and I, I see that actually coming true for us in our business and, and just also personally in my own life. So I, I really want to hammer home to our, to our listeners and to our community, the importance of, of commitment and, and commitment over a long period of time, like committing to something for six months or more not committing for a week or two weeks or months, but like really committing to something for a, a, like a long enough time that you feel it, like that it feels, I don't want to say hard because that's not the right word, but you feel like, wow, I'm really, I'm really diving into this and I don't know what the outcome is, but I, I've made a promise to myself and I'm going to follow through. And, and I think the time component is, a, is an important point because you can't say I'm going to start a business and then close it down after a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's, there's gotta be, you are going to hit, like if we, if we start talking about the risk, right, there's going to be some risk in what you are doing and you need to kind of get comfortable with that and ready to face that and give yourself some, a significant amount of time to be able to work through all those things that are going to come at you and are going to really shake your commitment. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and every journey is going to have those things. 
So one example, another example of this that I think we both can can speak to is related to starting our software companies. So both Namastream and your your other software company, Connectable, we started, we joined a program where we were told like you can start a software company in six months. In retrospect, that's like slightly insane or more than slightly insane. But we did it. We're like, heck yeah, we're going to do this. Right. And, um, and so somehow both of us by, you know, by grace or hustle or whatever you want to call it, we, we did that. We launched companies within six months. However, um, the other 500 something people in our program for the most part didn't do that. But some of those people went on over the next six months or the next 12 months or the next 18 months and actually did successfully launch software companies and, and other companies that are some of which are really kind of a big deal. And if they had given up after, you know, six months because they didn't have, you know, a product launching and a customer base launching, they never would have realized their goal. So, so I think, first of all, like set clear expectations for yourself. Like if you're brand new to business and you're brand new to the, or brand new to the online world or both, like don't expect that in two months from now, you're going to have a profitable thriving business to support yourself and your family. Like, like maybe you're in the like one tenth of 1% where some like miracle will happen and that will be possible for you because you'll write something that will go viral or you'll have some sort of big brand contact you on Instagram or something, you know, something out of the ordinary that you can't necessarily control um, will happen. But for the most part, that won't happen for you. Like you can start to make money in two months, but like you need to set clear and I think realistic expectations for your goals. So I would say, you know, in three months, you should be able to, for example, if we tell our clients, like in three months on average, our clients are able to pay the costs of the software and the investment that it, that it costs them upfront to buy equipment. Like that's the average time from, you know, sort of an informal survey of our, of our client base. And then, you know, in six months, there's a different milestone and in nine months and in 12 months, like it just continues to build on in and of itself, but you have to be committed. Like if you quit after two months, because you know, you're $500 in the hole because of you bought a cam- a video camera and some software, like, yeah, you're, you are going to be in the hole in two months. Like that's, unless you're a rare exception, like that's, that's probably where you're going to be. It doesn't mean that a year from now you can't have a thriving business, but you know, you have to have the perspective that like it requires an initial investment and some, some real risk. And I, I think we see a lot of our, our non-stream clients who will, like you said, invest in the software, invest in some equipment and invest in some time. And they've got these perhaps unrealistic goals and they look back at the last three months and they get panicked because they've spent this much money and they haven't, you know, seen the, the, the return on their investment, their ROI yet. And I just want to say to them that any business is going to take time, six months, a year, or multiple years. In our case, for Namastream with software, it's been a, a good three years uh, before we're seeing any significant kind of sales and growth and not to panic, right? Like this is the stuff that we want you to figure out before you know, understand your numbers, understand uh, what it's going to take to get started uh, and give it some time to, to grow. And I think uh, we actually had a client recently who said that she, it's been, I think it was five or six months and she's spent this much money and she's only made 50% back of her, of her investment. And she was saying that as a negative. And I was like, oh my God, that's fantastic, right? Like in any business that you start out there, if you can make 50% of your investment in a couple of months, that's incredible, incredible. But I think the expectation is a little bit different when you do online. They, they, the growth is expected to be faster. Yeah. And I'm not 
totally sure that it is. Perhaps, uh, perhaps it is, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the investment is lower. So you make your money back much faster, faster. than say opening a brick and mortar location or mm-hmm. something like that. And I think it also depends on what you bring to the table. This particular client, I know who you're referencing. She didn't have a business to start with, right? But we have people who have a following who come onto our platform who are like super profitable, like literally day one, right? And that that happens, but they've invested years of their lives in building a following outside of our platform. So I, I, I think I don't want to go too far into kind of like the nuts and bolts of like non-stream or non-stream specific issues. But just to say for anyone who's starting a business and working to scale it online in particular, just set clear expectations for yourself. Decide like what you need to ha- to get for it to be worthwhile for you. Like what are your goals? And then, and then like maybe talk to some other folks or ask for some mentorship from people out in the world that you see doing, you know, what it is that you'd like to do and, and get a sense from them on how you know how much time it took them to to reach the goal that you have for yourself. Because I, I think the more likely you are to have clear expectations from the beginning, the more likely you will be to stick to, to the company or the goal or the business, right? Because you're not expecting to make a million dollars overnight. So you won't be as frustrated when that doesn't happen. And I think it's important to note that the committing to the process includes understanding the highs and lows of running a business and that whole concept of a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think risk is risk is something that I know we had jotted down that we wanted to talk about on on this episode. And I think that that's, that's exactly right. Like there's the emotional highs and lows, and then there's also like the real financial risk that's involved. And sometimes it's, it's low, like for our clients, like the, the overhead to start a business is pretty low, but it's still a real risk. Like you could invest in, in starting an online business and then find out that, you know, a family member is sick and you can't, you know, you can't go forward for some amount of time if ever, or, you know, we have people who've had like real uh, events happen in their lives that made it so that, you know, it wasn't going to work to have a business this time. And, and like that, that's reality that happens. Like those kinds of risks are real. And I think you just, you, you, there's never going to be this perfect time. And entrepreneurship is, it's like a really risky thing to do, right? Like most people are not entrepreneurs. Like I, I think it requires a certain amount of grit and comfort with risk in order to be able to be successful, to stick with it long enough to, to make it to the other side. And I, I will also just say, cause I think we're, I don't want us to come across Sandy as too negative about this mm-hmm. like, because I think like when you do commit though, and you start to reap the rewards of your commitment, there's, it's like the most amazing feeling in the world to see all that hard work pay off because you have to do it with this, with this expectation that you don't know if it's going to pay off or not, but you're, you're committed and you're doing it anyway. And there's got to be something that's worthwhile for you anyway. Right? Like even if you never make enough money to support your family or enough money to retire your parents or, you know, whatever your goals are. It's like some people really do do those things, but, it, but you've got to, you've got to like have some other reason why you're doing it. That's, that's going to fulfill you. Even if you never reach those goals or if it takes five years to reach them or 10 years or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that's like, that's an inherent part of being an entrepreneur and doing something new in the world. Yeah, and I th- I want to go back to the roller coaster because the part of the commitment is is committing to to the the highs. Of course, are easy to whether something yeah. is just happening so fluidly and just coming to you and and you're getting lots of signups, you're getting lots of purchases or whatever it may be. But then the dip comes or that sort of you know that 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 real 
difficult situation comes and you got to that's where the commitment really shows through and i think if you know ahead of time that things aren't always going to be happy rosy perfect that there will be something that kind of goes slide sideways it goes negative is difficult and in those difficult moments that's really when the magic happens that's when you can really find when you're what you're made out of it you can really figure out maybe I'm not doing this the right way and I need to slightly pivot and do it this way and you come back up out of that hill and I know for us there's been times where that roller coaster will be just huge and fast peaks and valleys like just up down up down up down sometimes by the minute and then there'll be weeks where we go by where it really plateaus out right and I think if people can realize that they're going to go through these ups and downs and know and recognize, okay, this is one of those down, those down periods. And I just need to get through it and just, you know, learn from it. I think that's a huge message too, is that to really see failure or, I mean, failure is such a negative, a negative word, but if you can see those, those moments, those low points as places where you can really learn from and learn and come out different and better. That is a powerful, powerful um, message. Yeah, totally. I, one thing that I wanted to mention just related to this roller coaster and to this entrepreneurial journey is a Helen Keller quote that I used to have all over my wall and all over my social accounts. And it's just, life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. And we'll add that quote to the show notes just to say, you know, entrepreneurship itself is a huge adventure. And I think a lot of us think of it as being riskier than other kinds of activities, but honestly, like everything you do is risky at this stage in the world. (laughs) So like as, as, as like regular jobs are continuing to go away and more and more people are becoming part of this um, self-employed sector and this independent workforce, like increasingly the stability that you would look to by working for a studio or for a gym or for a day job is like that security and like lack of risk is, is changing and shifting all the time. And so I just would say, you know, if, if you feel called to this entrepreneurial roller coaster, if you feel called to, to jumping in and doing this, like, I think it's a great idea. And I, I think it to me, like, it's kind of, it's a, it's a way to choose to live your life, like embracing the risk. The risk is there, whether you stick your head in the sand and ignore it or whether you choose to embrace it. So I don't know. That's just like my own personal positive spin on this topic. And, you know, I I think we need to think of positive ways to frame these hard things because just, just because they're hard doesn't mean they're not worth doing. And they're learning. Like I, I just, we learned that early, early on that, 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 that those dips, those difficult times are moments of like transformation sometimes, yeah. right? Some really amazing things come out of these dips, not to see it as a negative, that this is just a, a, a phase, like the good stuff is a phase. Yeah. And I think if we can just change that whole mindset around seeing that these, oh my God, this is not working and and come out of that in a beautiful way. I think that is, it's, that to me is, is the fun part. And you and I have gone through some major dips in the last three months, four months. And you know, it like, it feels good to be where we are right now oh, yeah. today, right? But we learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. We learned a lot. Yeah. So I think one way to think about it is, is to think about it in terms of like, just how you react when those things happen, because every business, every person, everything you do, like every person's life is going to have these challenges. And so it really is true. Like how you respond to those challenges um, says a lot, not just about you as a person, but also about 
like, like your capacity to live meaningful life, I think. And so like putting, putting these risks in front of you and these challenges in front of you is kind of a way to start to train, like train you as a human being for, you know, the challenges of your life. I I think it's a perfect training ground. I think in, in many ways, like a small business or an online business is, is like a relatively safe thing to play in the pool of risk. Like what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, I, in my mind, like a lot of things in the last year for us have happened that were worse than I ever expected could happen. (laughs) And like, we're still (laughs) fine. And they felt horrible when they were happening, but also like not entirely horrible. I remember we, we launched, um, our 2.0, like the day before Thanksgiving, which like, we're not going to go into this in full detail, but it it was a, it was a, a bad judgment call on my part. And I fully accept that responsibility. And it was, I know, a really difficult thing for a lot of our clients to deal with, like going into a holiday weekend, like having this huge shift happen with their technology platform. It was a really hard thing for my family because I was not present during this holiday time and we were in the process of moving and like a whole bunch of stuff. It was like a bad judgment call. Like, let's just put it out there. But at the same time, like I remember Thanksgiving night, Sandy, you and I were like after, I don't know, it was like 24 hours of just <laughs> pure stress and adrenaline and, and like just the, the, an inbox that was filled with people who were finding issues and problems and struggles. Um, I just remember you and I like taking a few moments to kind of like laugh and like chat and, you know, like, Hey, we're in it, we're in the depths of it, but like we can still be pleasant and like happy. And, you know, there's moments of joy and like, wow, look what we're doing. We're handling it and we're Mm -hmm. in it. Like we're both committed. And there's like some sense of resolve and like, wow, this is, wow, we're really doing this. Like the, like this, the the Canadian here was like holiday. What holiday? Yeah, that's right. Like it was not your holiday, but I, I imagine that it was equally stressful for you what was going on during those days. (laughs) You know, like we were, it was hard. And I like, that's just one example of something that was really hard. And I, I'm like, I don't know if if that was the hardest thing for you in the last year that, that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's really hard. (laughs) It was H E double hockey sticks. Yeah. Hard. Like it was awful. But uh, knowing, though, that we were building something really amazing and that out of this was going to it was going to be incredible. Right. That's that's what kept us going. And there were moments where we'd started laughing because there's just nothing else else to do. And I think that's a a beauty of of a partnership, though, too, is is to have someone else, you know, shake your head and just make you laugh at these, these really difficult times. But yeah. And I think that there's, so that I'm a really highly sensitive person. So for, I know a lot of folks in our community are, and I know we have a handful of clients who are equally as sensitive as I am because they, they talk to us about it and (laughs) I relate to them in a special way, I think. So I personally, if you are one of those people who is extremely sensitive when things are not going well, or when someone you, you perceive someone isn't unhappy with you, and you take a lot of things very personally, I think having a partnership is like a really something you should consider if you haven't already, because I have this person, you Sandy, who's there, who like every fear that I have in my like anxiety prone mind, I can go to you and you're like, Jenny, this is no big deal. Like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. You know, in 99 times out of 100, you just like you reassure me that it's fine and I don't have to stress about it. Now, like the, the one out of every hundred time where you say like, no, this is a big deal. Like that is really a hard day for me because it like reinforces like the doomsday scenarios going on that are constantly running through my mind. But 
for the most part, like having a partner, especially someone who balances you out, I think helps to make this whole commitment process stick. And it helps to make the, the roller coaster ride much more bearable and enjoyable. And when it's going well and, you know, passable when it's going poorly. And so I think like that's maybe one takeaway is to think about if you are really sensitive, there are things that you can do that can make this entrepreneurial journey, you know, like, like a better choice for you. And and not saying that everyone should be in a partnership, but you need to surround yourself by other entrepreneurs who understand what the heck is just is happening to you, you know? Um, So like our Facebook group that's relative to your niche, or we have one called Soulful MBA, you're all welcome there. And that's where there will be posts where someone will be like, this happened, this happened, and this happened. And everyone is like, I get it, I get it, I get it. I've been there, I've been there. And that alone just makes it, you know, so much more bearable that there is an end in sight and that you're not the only one who the world is crashing down upon. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I I would just say like, even too, when I was, one other thing that was really hard, there were some investor moments for me when we were in the accelerator process that were really hard. And I was like physically by myself for most of that time because we were, we have a remote team and, you know, Sandy, you and I live far away from each other. But just the fact that I could message you like in the moment when someone, when I feel like something, someone is not being kind or something happened, I can like be in the elevator leaving a building downtown and I can message you. And, and like instantly it just like you're sharing in the experience. It's like someone to share the experience and be there. And, um, it somehow buffers the hard parts. So like with that said, that's kind of an aside and I, mm-hmm. we're going to do, I, I know a number of episodes in the future on like partnership and partnership yeah, yeah, and collaboration in particular. So we'll talk more about that, but I just would say that like, if that's something, if, if this episode is triggering for you in any way, then, you know, just think about things you can do personally to buffer it. So the next topic we have on our list for for this commitment issue is is all about normalizing failure. And I think this relates to the roller coaster emotionally that you were talking about, Sandy, which is just this idea that failure is an accepted part of the process of entrepreneurship. Like you have to go into this knowing that that's coming. And I like I just love your take on this because you did a lot of we have the Soulful MBA um, online training program and we have a whole section on mindset. And Sandy, you did a lot of this section. So I just was hoping you could speak to this topic of normalizing failure a little bit. Well, I think I mean, I I think we've said it pretty much already. But the the point is that the failure is a negative, horrible thing that you never want to go through. And I'm saying failure is should be welcomed and a place to learn and change and grow and iterate if necessary. And that you cannot go through life or business or anything. You can't live without some kind of negative happening to you. And that the way that you approach that and the way that you see that can make something that could be very difficult. You can turn that into something really beautiful. And just to, you know, keep your your eyes open and, 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 and see the beauty in what's happening and unfolding in front of you, I, I, that, that can change everything. And that can get, I think personally, it can get you out of that sort of low point a lot quicker. I believe there's a, a Wayne Dyer quote that goes something like this. What you spend your time looking at is what your life looks like. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think that's really true for those, those dips. If you were going to focus on it and just roll around in the mud and be negative, you're going to spend a whole lot more time there than if you can just slowly find something that is a positive, a learning opportunity, a a place to tweak or change or pivot, and then come out of that. It's going to, it's going to come, you're going to come out a lot faster if you can change your attitude. 
So I, I welcome those, even in those dark days with those, when we did the launch, you know, we came out of that fairly quickly, I think. Yeah, I, I think we did too. And I think, you know, we're better for it. We're better founders for it. I feel like I'm a better CEO for having gotten through that experience. And that's the only way you learn, right? Like you just, you can't learn business from a book and it's like the school of hard knocks. Like you've got to, you've got to get up and, and do it every day. You've got to deal with like customer service issues. You've got to deal with, you know, somebody unfollowing you or unsubscribing from your newsletter. Like you have to start to get comfortable with failing uh, like these micro failures um, in order to, I think, have like macro successes. You have to be very, very comfortable with micro failures and embracing them. So, so that's, I think that's just normalized failure. Like put that up on a little post-it and, and think about how important that is to your business and your life. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. Number five, the fifth thing we're going to talk about today is you need to spend money to make money. And Sandy, you, this is like your favorite thing to talk about. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about how important it is to embrace this idea of commitment in terms of financial commitment, because commitment means a lot of different things. And I, I think like we, for a long time, shied away from, t- I, I, I did at least with the, our company, shied away from talking about this. Like I, I like to be able to say like, you don't need to spend any money. Like it's really cheap. It is cheap compared to starting another kind of business, but it's not free. So what, what do you, what's your take on that, Sandy? Well, I just want to remind everyone that my background coming into this new online world uh, was in brick and mortar. So we had uh, a shoe store and a clinic, which means we had over half a million dollars sitting on the shelves in inventory that was depreciating every single day. We had over $8,000 of rent every month and then I won't even go on about salaries and so on. And every month this was repeated. So my take on what it, the amount of money you need to invest in starting a business is a little bit skewed from the average person who's looking at starting online. But I want to just stress that no matter what kind of business you start, whether it is an in-person clinic or gym or, or studio uh, versus an online, you're going to have to spend something. And I, I sometimes struggle when people say, well, you know, I, I have to spend a thousand or $2,000 to start a business. I, yeah, yeah, you do. And, and that's just part of, part of it. And you need to commit to that and start doing some math and figuring out what it's going to take to make that money back. And maybe you will be in the hole for 12 months and that's perfectly, perfectly fine. And in fact, probably normal. If you can make it back sooner, then fantastic. But don't be afraid to spend the money that you need to make this um, easy for you and 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 enjoyable for you. I, I think it's time or money, right? So sure, you could probably spend no money. And if we take the teaching online example that that Namastream does, if we take that example, you could probably piecemeal it with YouTube and with a PayPal account and uh, you know your email and Calendly or something, and you you would spend very little money doing that. But the time and the headache to put that all together is a lot. So you need to figure figure that out. But I think you absolutely need to spend some money to make some money and don't shy away from that. 
Yeah. And I also think that it, it's not just like, can you save money and, and like hack things together? And I, I, you can. And I think when you're first starting out and you're trying to figure out if, if a business idea is right for you, you know, by all means you should do that. But once you're committed, cause this episode is all about commitment. Once you're committed to the process, I think you also need to make a commitment to invest the resources necessary to allow for the possibility of success. So uh, like often that means spending some cash and, and like, I will just say from someone who has <laughs> dropped, you know, at least $150,000 on my own higher education, like that is, uh, and some of that was scholarship. So I actually didn't personally buy that, but, but like for the most part, like my, my investment in my own education to be able to get to the place where I could start a nonprofit and start companies and, and like do what I feel like I wanted to do with my career and my life. Um, and, and, and maybe I would do things differently now, but when I was going to school and making those decisions, um, I had to be able to be comfortable with the idea of investing in myself and I think it, for me, it puts a lot in perspective because like for me to start Namastream, I invested over the course of the company and just to be fully transparent, I think like, I don't know, $5,000 total, like ever in the company, right? Like, and in some ways, like, that's great. Like you can start a comp company for $5,000 um, in other ways, like, wow, that was a lot of money. But I would just say, like, if I had had more money to invest and I had felt more comfortable with the risk profile of the company, I would have invested more early on because we could have scaled quicker. And so, like, our ability to scale now is directly related to our huge investment in rebuilding our software platform. Um, and that took a lot of money. And, like, I, it took, I don't know, nine months of hemming and hawing and deciding whether we were going to spend the money or not to reinvest in the company. Um, but, but like, ultimately, like I already see, you know, we're not even totally launched out of beta. Like we're launching out of beta this week when, as of the time of the recording, when you guys are listening to this, we'll be launched out of beta, <laughs> but like, I already see that it's paid off, you know, that like, that's remarkable. And it, but it took me nine months to get comfortable with that decision. And so I would just say, you absolutely need to be okay with investing in yourself. And if you're an entrepreneur, even investing in your business, is it's like the same thing as investing in yourself because your business, it's yours. Like even if it's only partly yours, like Namastream is not only partly mine at this point, it's still, it's still mine. Like I'm investing in my future and I have to believe on some level that I'm, that I'm worth, worth it and that I'm committed to the process enough to get something meaningful out of it. Nothing more to say after that. <laughs> And we talked a little bit, Sandy, already about the comparison between online and brick and mortar. And I will just hammer home. If you have any trepidations at all about the investment it takes to start an online business, like spend two hours investigating what it would cost for you to open a brick and mortar in your niche, because uh, many of you already have those businesses and you know what you had to, to invest early on um, to secure a lease and um, to do construction work and to secure the kind of insurance you need to have. So just like think about it, relatively speaking, because the beauty of, of building a business online is that your costs are significantly reduced and the upside is also much bigger because you're not limited by geography. So you want to think about the decreased costs up front, but also the increased opportunity for profit. And then Sandy, you had one more thing that we had scratched down uh, in our notes. I just, I think that, I think the, the point we wanted to talk about that idea of lost leaders. Yeah. And so there are times when, you know, this is a very fluid business and things online are changing quickly and that you need to also 
commit to this idea that there may be times where you make a bad decision, you invest in something, and then you no longer need that. And, and just be okay with that and let it go. Um, there's, um, you know, I'm trying to think of an example in our life where we, we started down something, spent money, and then just walked away. Yeah. I mean, lots of like, lots of software, like we've, you know, experiment yeah, with, with a, a certain business yeah. and then just, yeah, it. we've experimented with a lot of different software tools that ultimately we were like, nah, this isn't really right for us. Like this isn't, we're not going to stick with it. And you try it on and you see certainly bought online courses and training programs that weren't a great fit. And you're like, well, I, now I know, you know, and hopefully you got something out of them or you learn more about like what it is that you do need to buy in the future to learn what you need to learn. I mean, we, we have invested a lot of time that was like a loss leader. So when it comes to technology, our software platform has been rewritten in a totally different programming language than it used to be. So like all of the skill set mastering, like one technology stack is gone. And then we were going to rebuild in a different language that we didn't end up doing. So like four months of time learning a different language. You know, there's a lot of experimentation for us on the technology side. It's like time and money are essentially the same thing, right? So we've lost a lot of time. And it's, you know, it's fine. You just have to be like, oh, well, those are sunk costs. Like we did what we thought was best in the moment and that's all you can do. And when you're, you know, when you're running a business, like you need to be able to have like a less emotional attachment to those things. Like I think one of the things that Seth Godin taught me is, is that like, you need to be able to let go of sunk costs. Like you cannot think about like, how do I leverage these sunk? The, it, once you realize like something isn't the right path or you have to pivot, like you need to just be able to be unemotional about it and walk away and start from scratch in order to be successful. Because like, as long as you hold on to this idea that you have to like make some old thing work that is no longer viable, like you're just continuing to kind of like dig yourself deeper in a hole. So be willing to try stuff on, like make calculated risks and try things on and see if they work or not. And then be willing to walk away and say like, oh, well, I, you know, I spent $300 on this or in our case, like, you know, much <laughs> more. I tried it on. It didn't work for me. And I found it, it helped me realize like something else is going to be right. And that's like, that's fine. Can we just wrap this up and end with the story of you and I having that, that momentous conversation back in July, springtime sometime about just committing to Namastream yes, and yes. deciding that, yes, we were going to go forward. All in. Yeah. Okay. So just to set the stage. So, so like in our, one of our previous episodes, we talked about kind of our story of coming together and knowing that we met at this conference, we had both done this program together to build software companies and start businesses. And we knew like somehow we're going to, we want to work together in the future. So we started to like put the pieces in place. I think just it's helpful for folks to know this, like Jenny and Sandy are going to start something and it iterated like in it, like we kept changing our minds on what it was going to be. And it was a side project for both of us. And like, what's it going to be? It's just something that makes us so happy. Like we just have to think of some way to work together. And then we like, when, we, when you came on board to Namastream, Sandy, it was like, okay, well, this is our thing. And I think for, for a while in, in the springtime last year, we were unsure if like Namastream should stay that thing. Like, should we just leave Namastream the way it was and ride it out? And, you know, it was working fine and, you know, it was generating profit and it's fine. Or do we like dig our, and maybe we, we build something else together, right? Like that is really going to take our heart and our soul and our energy and our money and, and like something that's big. Or do we like go big into Namastream? Do we like rebuild Namastream from the ground up? Do we like really scale this company? And yeah, we had this like very 
I don't know, meaningful you, you conversation just, <laughs> about it. You had just spoken with the, the, the CEO of the company of our development teams company. Yeah. You had a, an intense conversation, like all the talking is done. Yeah. We've got all the numbers and we're clear what's going to happen. And now they just need to say they're waiting for us for the nod. Yeah. Go, yeah, go yeah. for it. And you, and I was on holidays and I was in the mountains and I was picking blueberries with horses and my dog. And you called me on my cell phone, which is like, you're apologizing for interrupting my holiday and so on, but we had to make a decision and we, we danced around it and danced around it and came up with all these reasons and all these excuses that it could fail. If we decided to rebuild, there's a, a significant cost up front, of course, and there, I just remember there was a moment of silence and we just decided that this was the game we were going to play this. We were going to take it to the next level. We were going to try uh, and do this and it may fail miserably, but we were committing to this bigger idea, this bigger concept, this, this, this bigger stage that we wanted to play on. And I think a, lo- a little bit, bit of it, it was like, we're two females running an, a tech company, a software company. And let's like, let's just do this. Like, there's not a lot of examples for us to follow in this role that we knew, now have, but let's just do it. And when we decided it, I remember such a sense of like excitement and a little bit of, you know, a good ha- dose of healthy fear, I think. But that, 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 once you decide at that deep level to commit, it's a really thrilling ride. I think no matter what happens, I just, I love that process of deciding and committing. Yeah. I, I mean, that was definitely a memorable conversation. I think because we had, we had had this like very hard decision a few months prior about taking investment also. And so like when we said no, when we decided like ultimately gut level after a lot of flip-flopping, right? Like we walk away mm-hmm. from this investment bandwagon, we tried it on, it didn't feel right. Like a lot of things made it feel not right for a long time, for many months. And we ultimately walked away. I think we were both like, so what does this mean for the company? Right. Because when you're in that circle of talking to investors and VC firms, which is what I was doing, you, you like have it in your mind, what it means to have a software company and like this small little self-driven bootstrap company started to feel, I don't know, I don't want to say inadequate because I love our company, but it started to feel like, is this like, are we seriously doing this? Like, is this for real? Is this a legitimate thing to do? And I, I, that conversation with you, Sandy made me realize like, actually we can bootstrap and we can be big and like, like it's possible and we can be women doing it and it's possible and maybe it will fail and it, it very well might fail it still might fail. Who knows? Eventually everything fails, but we decided like, it's a hell yes. Like I'm taking this on, like, uh, let's do this. Like, like let's not compromise on either our values or on our dreams. Like I don't want to compromise on the values I have for what kind of company I want to build on, on my own terms, on our own terms. And I also don't want to compromise on playing small. Like I want to play big. So let's just do both. Like, and that, and that was like, I think it was that culmination for us that was like, we're going to do our way and we're going to go big. Let's just do that. Mm -hmm. And then we were both like, it was like this sense of relief, like, Oh yeah, yeah, let's just do that. (laughs) Yeah. It was, I'll I'll always remember that. I can picture exactly what I was looking at and what I was doing and what I was wearing. And it was one of those kind of, kind of conversations. So there, there's a, that's just a great example of a, of a really, really big commitment that we recently took. Yeah. And so I think, you know, your story is different than ours. You know, if you're listening to our podcast, you likely have your own small business. Many of you don't have software companies. Although if some of you do, we'd love to hear from you because 
you know, more kind of bootstrap software companies, the better in my mind. But, but like many of you have like wellness businesses and that's who we serve. That's what our community is, is based on. And, and like, we have this very, I think very important mission of powering wellness businesses to thrive online. Like we really want to disrupt the wellness industry and make it a more democratized place where small, small and micro businesses can, you know, support themselves and make a real, real dent in the, in the business world and the wellness world and not just rely on like the big top down heavy players to hire you to do something. So we have this like also very compelling in my mind, service-based mission. I believe that people in general will be better served by having more wellness brands out there in the world, like serving them instead of a few top down, like, you know, HMO style (laughs) health and wellness brands and online health and and wellness teachers. So like we have a, a deeper mission, you know, that's serving, serving our community as well. But for when you're an entrepreneur, you have to make sure that the the mission is like serving your community, but also serving you. And you have to find that balance and you have to find a, a business sector and niche and vision for yourself that kind of aligns all of those things. And then I think when you have all of those things, it's easy to commit because it's fulfilling like every part of yourself basically. So anyway, that is our episode on commitment. And before we go, we want to share our favorite commitment related joy and hustle tools with you. As we do at the end of every episode, our brand, our newsletter, and our blog is focused on the joy and hustle of online business. And so we want to always tease out a tool or a tip or a trick or a resource as a joy and a hustle to give each of you to to go out and explore in your own life and in your own business. So Sandy, why don't you go ahead and start? Yeah, this week I'm going to do the the hustle. In the last two episodes, I've done the joy. So my hustle um, tip is it's so ridiculously simple, but so powerful. And that is to start tracking things in spreadsheet. And that is so ho-hum, I know. But I think when we talk about commitment to have a really good sense of what your numbers are, the growth, the decline, whatever it may be, to use a, a, a spreadsheet, whether you use something like Excel, or you can just use the Google, the free version, the Google Sheets, there is something so powerful about entering your own numbers. And just you entering them and seeing the trends happen, uh, whether it's your social media numbers, which we actually have a social media tracker spreadsheet in Google that we created for our clients that is available. Yeah, it's in our social resources library, which is a free library. I can't of resources. remember where we have it. Oh, in the resource yeah. library. Yes, of course. So whether it's social media numbers or it's your sales or it's the number of customers or maybe it's even goals, your revenue goals, there is something that happens that shifts when you are the one entering those numbers. And so I think it really helps you to commit to the process if you really are very clear about what your numbers are and the direction that they're going. Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, I would just say too, like set, set goals and write them down in your spreadsheet and then track as you're achieving them. So every time we've done that, we've achieved them. Um, and and I, Sandy's taught me this little trick. And so I am now a believer in all things spreadsheet, but I was not before. <laughs> so it really works, folks. Like give it a try. Um, really track, track what you're doing. And again, like you can start with your social media followers and tracking your numbers there. You can get our free planning tool. If you go to soulful.mba and then click the link to sign up to access the resource library for free. And then, okay, so for this week, joy. I am What's your doing joy? joy. And I'm going to do a really simple one this week that is is something that's particularly bringing me joy. We're in kind of mid-January at the time of the recording of this episode. And so I'm still kind of getting acquainted with my planners and calendars for the year. I'm one of the 
women, I'd say mostly women who do this, right? Like who really get a lot of happiness from a new planner. And, and this year I'm trying a new one and I love it so far. And it's called the kit life planner and I have the crown edition. And so it's like got these beautiful golden feathers, pictures of golden feathers on it, which of course <laughs> makes me really happy. It helps you commit. It gives me a lot of joy. But the reason I love this planner so much is because it's kind of combining life and business. And I think for a lot of us in the online entrepreneurship space, like that's kind of how we work, right? Like I'm a mom and a business owner and a friend and a wife and a sister. And I kind of can track my whole life in this planner. So it has a place for me every day to write down my big three goals, like the three things I want to make sure I accomplish that day. It has a wellness section with like little water glasses and I can like cross off each water glass as I drink it. So I can make sure I'm hydrated. I can write down my, like my workout goals. I can, it has a little place for me to write down my gratitude for the day and also has an actual like hourly planner line by line. So it's kind of hard. I'll, we'll have a link to the, the kit life in the show notes, but I've tried a lot of planners. I've done a lot of journals I used to use Aaron Condren planners pretty religiously, which I still love, but I, I think I love kit life better. So anyway, my joy is the kit life planner. Again, we'll link to it in the show notes. And I think that the folks who started this were yoga teachers. So I'm not entirely sure, but I think I remember reading that too. So for those of you in the yoga world, you might want to check it out. It's awesome. Great. Love it. So without further ado, that is the episode on commitment. And we would love to connect with all of you deeper. You can find us in our free Facebook group, which is if you go to soulful.mba slash Facebook, you can find the link there. You'll be redirected to the group and it's free to join. We're in there daily. Our community is in there. Our team is in there. And that's the, probably the best way to get to know us and our brand. So thanks for joining. <laughs> thanks everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba slash sample.